Welcome to episode number nine of An Artifactual Journey with Philip J. Merrill as your host. Today we are hanging out in Bill's Woodshop. This is quite an experience. I just have to tell you that William Woodward Cubbage Jr. actually knew his grandfather who was enslaved and his name was Thomas Cubbage. And from some limited research, we learned about his great-grandfather whose name was Joseph Cubbage, born circa 1830s. And we could even go back one more generation to his great-great-grandfather and his name was Joseph Cubbage. So let's go on into Bill's Woodshop and learn about the magnificent woodwork that this 91 year old gentleman can create and has created. Check this out. Here in Lincoln University Village talking to William Cubbage Jr. Could you state your age please? 91 years old, born in uh, 1926. And where were you born? Avondale, Pennsylvania. In Avondale? Yes. And we're in your lovely wood shop. What do you call your place of employment here? This is just my little private woodshop. Okay, your private woodshop. It's not called Bill's Woodshop or anything well, like that? Well, years ago it was called Bill's Woodshop. I had a sign on the truck and all that. But uh, I'm not doing it anymore. I just do it for fun now. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by your skill. How did you learn to be this craftsman that you've turned into uh, at the age of 91? <laughs> I don't know. It just because the Lord just gave it to me. And I just I look at a picture and I can make it. So as a child, did you go out into the woods with your father, uncle, or someone no. and cut trees to use no. wood to do something? No. No? And so, so you're 91 today. Yeah. How many years have you been uh, making these wonderful uh, wooden um, craft items? Uh, ever since I was about 15. Since you were about 15? Yeah. Do you have I any... Had a wood sh- I had a... I used to do... My, and I built a dog box in my basement. A dog box? From when I was home when I was a little kid. <laughs> and, uh, that's how my thumb got, I cut the end of my thumb off. And it, it, it grew back home. You and cut the end of your thumb off building this dog box when you when were a little kid? I was kid? 15, yeah. In Avondale. In Avondale. At home. At home. That's where I was raised at. And uh, uh, then from then, I was building carts. My mother, we didn't, we didn't have uh, running water. We had to go to the creek to get water. So I built this cart with buggy wheels on it to put a war, uh, we used to put a, a milk cans in it and I'd run it, push it down to the creek and fill it up and bring it back. I had to chop in school, high school. What school was that? Avongrove. I graduated in 44. In the class of 1944 at Avongrove? At Avongrove High School. And okay. And then I went back to school for a postgraduate course, two years. Where was that? At Avongrove. At, okay. And I took uh, a shop and art class for two years. And then after that, I was drafted in service. Yeah, the service was? In the Army Air Corps. Were you overseas? No. I was, the war was just over mm-hmm. when I went in. It was, uh, when was it, 1945, the war ended in 45. Well, 1946, I went in. And I came out in 47, when the war was over. And... Uh, I only was stationed in Texas and uh, uh, Florida. And what outfit were you with? Uh, I forget the name. It was, it's an Army Air Base. Okay, all right. And and so when you come out, do you take a bride or what do you do? Are you are you trying to find a job? And so you, what are you doing with your life? Oh, no, no. I had three different jobs. <laughs> I, I was unfortunate enough to be able to get 
a pension from either one. Okay. Now, I worked at the compost place down here for 13 years. Down here being? Yeah, at Scott's. Okay. I, I was a, uh, I used to manage the tools. Okay. I used to buy, I was in purchasing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had, uh, I had a million dollar budget. Really? That I couldn't go over yet. Because I bought all, everything, tires and and all the machinery parts from, at that time, we were, they were only using Caterpillars. Good brand, so good brand. I used to go down to um, Bear Delaware and get parts for these the tractors when they would break down. And on the side, were you doing this uh, craftsmanship? Yeah, I was. You were always doing it. I was always just peddling around in the shop here. And then I had another job uh, at Beloit Eastern Corporation. At the what corporation? Beloit. Okay, okay. B-E-L-O-I-T. Uh, and they were, it was a foundry, and they made uh, steel, cast iron, and ductile steel, ductile mm. iron. And I was in the purchasing department there, and when I finally wound up there, I was there 13 years, I was the uh, manager of the uh, pattern storage department. I used to keep track of 36,000 patterns and core boxes. My goodness. And, and there was no computers in those days. But the computer was right here in your brain, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I had, uh, well, it was a, a lady that worked in the office and, uh, and two men and then two men out in the shop. Because we had, we had patterns and core boxes stored in two buildings in Downingtown, plus the warehouse at the building at the, uh, where we were stationed at. It was full of patterns and core boxes. We had radio trucks we'd run from back one place to the other. Now, when I first took it over, the uh, Pattern Storage Department was two gentlemen that ran it. They kept messing up. They couldn't keep up to it. So <laughs> this guy, uh, uh, Bill Gossel, he was the CEO. And we got to talking one time, and he saw some of the stuff that I did. And I was a supervisor at that time, but not of Pattern Storage. And he, uh, we had a meeting one one time. <laughs> I felt so bad that was about six, about six um, supervisors there. And he said, "Bill, you got more ideas than all these guys put together." <laughs> I bet you did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I put everything on paper and then bring it in and let them see it, you know. And, and they usually yeah. either build it or whatever. So and, th- this uh, gift, do you, do you think that it was passed down from your father, grandfather, mother, somebody in your family had some kind of a nope. brilliant mind like you do? Or My father didn't. He worked at a nursery. He worked at a nursery? Yeah, Star Rose Gardens. And I also worked there 13 years, but never got a pension from either, any of these jobs. So this is a gift that you have been blessed with and no one else in your family? No one else. And when did you get married? Uh, I was married three times. The first lady, <laughs> the first, when I come out of high school, uh, we got married. Okay. Okay. The second time, <laughs> I married a lady. All of them are pretty now. Okay. <laughs> I married the second time, and I stayed, we stayed together for 19 years. After we were married five years, I built a home just like the one over there, mine here. But I did. it was done by hand. You built this house that we're in? That you're uh, I no. put most of it together. It was, oh. The shell was pulled up and I did everything. Got you. Me and a buddy of mine built the shell. Okay. And, uh, well, I put the electric and everything in that place. 
Right. Anyhow, when I built the, uh, and then the last time, uh, I married another lady. She had five children, and I brought them all here. She had 3,000, and I had 3,000. We bought this property, and I did most of the building to this, the whole place. And how long have you been at this property? Uh, 50 years, I think. About 50 years? I, yeah, oh. I, we, I stayed, we stayed together for 41 years until she passed. So, 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 and no grass is gonna grow under your feet when it comes to making sure you keep a wife, right? Oh, you gotta have a wife, you know. <laughs> but you gotta have a good one. Well, I'll say that again. Say that again. You got to have a good one. Okay. Now, this good woman allows you to come out here and tinker in your wood shop all the time. She, she likes coming here with me. So she can do things as well. Yes, she has. I love it. Teamwork, teamwork, yeah. right? So, so for, for for the record, can can we go back to this because we weren't talking, we didn't have you recorded when you were talking about the plugs. Now, for for the people that don't understand, you were able to build your wood shop off of the sales of this these plugs, and these are called plugs, P L U G. Yes. And what were they originally used for? To plug pipes in the refinery to keep varmints out of the pipe. To keep the oil from dripping out when they sold the pipe to the scrapyard. And they bought hundreds of these plugs. Different sizes, 20 different sizes. Okay, so, so. Well, let, can I hold the plug for a minute? So just to be clear, they it's really just this one, this is a one plug, another one, another one, another one, right? It's laminated square pieces of wood nailed together. And how did you get this idea? And then I cut them on that machine there. And you, that's, that's I, called the, the Bill Plug Machine? Bill I, Plug Machine? I designed that machine to cut these plugs. But but how did you get the idea to do that in the first place? It, it just came to me, I guess. When it, they, This uh, Billmore Products, they used to sell um, uh, nuts and bolts and all like a motors and stuff. And the salesman used to talk to me a lot. And that's how he got me hooked up with uh, Sun Oil. Building, uh, he said, if you can build us a plug, that won't... You know, be distorted, it won't cost too much. And that's when we started building these wooden, I started building wooden plugs for them. Okay, so now let's back up. And one other thing. Too. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> See those wheels there? Yes. Wooden wheels. You put one of those on your wheelbarrow, it lasts for life. I got them on different carts. There's wooden wheels on that. So you can move it. And these wooden wheels, they last for life. You can put it on a wheelbarrow and let it sit outside. The weather doesn't get to it, no paint. Nothing. Okay, I have to stop again. I'm going to keep hammering this home until you give me a good answer. Where do you get your inspiration from for your ideas? The, while you're sleeping? Are you eating food? Are you exercising? How do you get that? Mostly when I'm sleeping, when I wake up. Really? Something comes to me and says, Bill, go build this. So after a while, did everyone know that you were good and people were coming to you to, to pay you to build stuff for them? Yeah, because I went to several uh, shows. But the shows didn't turn out very good. I mean, nobody bought very much. Oh, okay, okay. And of course... A couple of the shows was, was uh, because I was black. I was going to ask you about the role of racism. Yes. Now, I took my rocking chairs up to, in the Lancaster County, to the Amish. It was an Amish place. Right. I forget the name of the place. Uh, Intercourse. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I had my chairs in there. This one man, he was an Englishman, had this big house in this development where all these Amishmen lived, and they had all the different kind of uh, Amish furniture they were selling. And... Uh, I told him, I said, can you sell my chairs? Can I bring my... Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. I took them up there. I took oh, maybe 10 chairs up, put them in there for sale. The next week he called me. He said, Bill, we can't, you can't leave them here. I said, what? He said, uh, 
the Amish won't let you leave because, uh, well, I guess because of prejudice. Yeah, we know why. Yeah. He said, said you have to come and get I get one down. So, but I guess I've sold way over 100, the small chairs for the little kids. If people buy those little rockers, a child couldn't upset it. Right, right, no right. Way. And it's, they're different, I made the different ones out of different kind of wood, and the price was so darn low. $34 for the small one, and 46 for the next size. Yeah, those are good prices. And then it was 110 for the grown-ups. And uh, it was a lady down to church, just a little story, a lady down to church, she was awfully heavy, she weighed maybe 300 pounds. She couldn't have, didn't have anywhere to sit in the church, mm. it's especially in the dining hall. Mm. So she asked me about that. Hey, Bill, can you build me a, uh, a chair? I said, yeah. I built her this rocking chair. She fell in love with it. She kept it until well, she passed away. Mm. It was in the, in the church. And uh, her daughter took it home. I never got paid for it, but because <laughs> I built it for her, you know. Right, she, right. She could sit down and she was very disabled. Mm. She could walk up to the chair, put her arms on it, and sit down. The chair wouldn't move, and she could rock. And when she got ready to get up, she put her arms on again, and it became stationary so she could get up. And well, I got a picture. I got an actual chair right there. In the, in the I would, um, shortly, when we finish and we're almost done, I would like to see some of your other. Uh, I don't want to call them inventions, but creations. I, I think that your story is inspirational. It's uplifting. Clearly, you have been blessed with talent, and. I know that uh, as time moves on, we want to be able to buy some of your, uh, your creations and see if we can move them and get you some additional business. I just think that uh, I love your spirit. I love your creativity and your talent. And most of all, if it wasn't for your neighbor, if it wasn't for your neighbor who I was able to acquire this from, I would have never known about you. And I, I've, been, I've been driving your neighbor crazy to the point that I had to come by to meet the man that made this, because the attention to detail on this gristmill is absolutely magnificent. <coughs> mm -hmm. And you you based this off of a photograph. Yes. And why did why did Prof Gardner want this? You gave it to him as a gift, or was no, 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 he bought it? He bought it. Yeah, he just fell in love with it. He bought it. And so, how many hours would it take you to create oh, something like this? Uh, about two weeks. Maybe. Two weeks of every day. Yeah, if I worked on it every day. And what type of wood is this? Uh, to the person that knows nothing about wood. It's cypress. This is cypress? That's cypress. And so where did you get the cypress from? Mushroom houses. Mushroom houses? When, when the boards, were, when they were done with the boards in the mushroom house, they get discarded. Them. And you could go pick it up if you wanted. So that's what you did with and this? I picked it up. And then I got a machine out there to run them through to make them smooth. Okay, so another copy of this uh, grist mill is at the BB&T Bank in Oxford? Yep. Yes. And a covered bridge. And a covered bridge that you made. The Pine Grove Bridge, the replica of it. And so what's the earliest piece anywhere that you have? Did you have uh, the doghouse left from when you were a child? <laughs> no, no. Do you have anything you made, um, you know, in the 1950s or 60s or no. nothing? Just the pictures of these trucks. So, but you don't have any of their, you didn't save any originals? No. Well, and we want to we wanna be able to reintroduce the population to the skills that you have, and, 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 and prayerfully, they will want to buy some of this. I, I'm just um, I'm, I'm honored that you allowed us in. I'm honored that I know this lady here in Lincoln Village who has a treasure trove of knowledge and artifacts. And when I saw this, the first thing I wanted to know was, was it made by a black man? And when she said yes, I said, then I got to have it. And so it's been gently cared, cared for. 
So um, this concludes a wonderful interview with the talented and brilliant William Cubbage Jr., uh, otherwise known as, I'm going to call him um, Handyman Bill. Oh, fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been a pleasure. Okay.